We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 350. We are always lit here, Scott. It's the morning, according to Aaron Boone. I think we're always pretty lit. What's up? Always lit. You're always lit after your, uh, if anybody who's listening is a parent, has a, a sick child and records a podcast at 6.15 in the morning after that said kid has been sick all night. So lit on three hours of sleep, baby. Let's go. Three hours of sleep. Yeah, is Kemp doing okay? Yeah, he's good. He's just a, you know, one of those cold things that keeps you awake. That's what it does for him, at least. Congestion is terrible. It affects you more than it probably affects him. More than likely, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it definitely does. Uh, Well, we, they got the rain out on Wednesday. Going to do a doubleheader on Thursday. We were going to record last night. Bunch of things got in the way, like you said, including Kemp's uh, under the weather. So we're here in the morning, but I always feel like we are actually more lit in the morning than we are at night. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we're both, we've talked about this, we're both morning guys, you know, and uh, I think we uh, we both work hard during the day <laughs> and sometimes in the evening, you know, you drag ass a little bit just because there's been a lot going on. So, Ooh, drag ass. Is that another Boone statement? That kind of sounds like, like, like you know what Boone I'm realizing? Here's a, here's what I'm realizing. I'm realizing that you missed an entire era of of uh, beat some ass, dragging ass, 
kick some ass. Like, you just missed the entire era of there's the generational gap here. Like this is all very normal, normal conversation and normal language to me. And Boone and I are pretty, you know, he's older than I am, but I think we maybe I'm at the bottom or you know the tail end of his. Uh, you're closer langu- to Aaron, language generation. You're as far away from Aaron Boone as you are me. In each. Yeah, but there's a there's an overlap with the language. Uh, uh, it's just very. It's been very clear. There's a lot of, there must have been a lot of ass a talk. A lot of ass talk in the '90s. A lot of ass talk. A lot of ass talk in the '90s. Definitely, you could use the word ass on and the you end know of what? anything. You, you, they talked about ass so much in the '90s that it led to a fascination with big butts in the 2000s. There you go. I mean, <laughs> which led to a fascination with. E- no, I'm not going to go there. Technically, it was the '90s because '90s hip hop. Was that when a lot, the, lot of, lot Sir of Mix a lot? Is that when Sir Mix a lot dropped that? Yeah, a lot of ass references in the in the '90s hip hop era. Awesome. We are three minutes in, and this has gone fully off the rails already. So, you ready for the the event on Saturday, where it is going to be a hundred degrees and super sweaty in the in yeah. Yankee Stadium? I feel like this. We get one of these every year during the summer, where it is just melting hot. But I'm looking forward to it still. Definitely looking forward to it. The uh, you roll the dice, you know, summer ne- summer day, one o'clock game um, in July. There's always that risk. Unfortunately for what the Yankees did this year with the weekend schedule, there just weren't very many good night games. We try to get those night games in in the uh, in the dog days, but the schedule just didn't allow for it for this year. You know, I'm hoping next year they they figure that out so that we can get some more home uh, night games. But it'll be hot. It'll be fun. Uh, and you know, the, the Colorado Rockies will be there. So we'll be able to thank them in person for DJ LeMahieu. That's right. And we're going to be at the dugout before the game, get there as early as you can. It's a one o'clock game. A lot of people usually roll in around 10 30, 11, uh, ready to throw back a few drinks. Maybe if you're coming, it might be a good idea to hydrate in between beer. I think that might go a long way on Saturday. This is reminding me of the Aaron Judge game that we all went to back in 2016, where it was like also 100 degrees the night after A-Rod retired. And, right. and the we changing were, of the guard. The changing of the guard. Aaron Judge, Tyler Austin both went back to back to start their careers. And we were each melting Bud Light out in center field. I mean, I, I haven't sweat so much in a long time. For, that, day was, that day was one of the hottest I've ever had at Yankee Stadium. And uh, this one, from what all the, all the reports are saying, is going to rival it for sure. It's going yep. to be pretty damn hot. So we'll be, we'll be in Section 205. Um, there's a lot of us that are the majority of us because I've requested that we have lower seats, obviously, <laughs> by the Yankees. We're not going to be under the overhang. Not that that's really going to help you that much, but it'll, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and I know they – I went to a Yankees game. This was maybe 2010, 2011 in July, and it was it was extremely hot as well. And I was sitting – these were maybe the best seats I've ever had at Yankee Stadium. I was sitting uh, first row uh, of not the legend seats, but the, the box seats, the, yeah. next, the next ones up, basically behind the first base. After the moat. After the moat. So I, I still wasn't one of the – one of the rich people. I was still a peasant, but I was the best of the peasants. And they were selling those water spray bottles for like $25. <laughs> Just gouging people who were desperate for any relief from the heat. Yeah, I don't know how much they are normally, but they're probably You probably get one at, you could probably you get one a at like a dollar any... store for 2.99. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about in Yankee Stadium though. If you add a battery, if there's a battery included on anything that's sold at Yankee Stadium, like triple the price at least because of uh, you know, it's a functioning now object that you're buying in stadium. So you you should expect to be gouged on that one. But yeah, hot days with a fan and a mister. 
Got to get you on that one. <laughs> uh, if you're not coming to the July 20th event, there's one more in the regular season. August 31st, that's Labor Day weekend. They're playing the Oakland A's. Maybe the Oakland A's are going to be in the playoffs again. They played them last year in the wild card game, so that could be a little bit of a, a preview of something to come. Uh, check out those tickets. They're on the website as well. It's the same deal. You get a t-shirt, you get a game ticket, you get your hot dog, you get your beer, you get your pregame party, all for the very sexy price of $69. Yeah, and Oakland this year, I mean, we lined it up that last year, looking at the schedule once we, uh, we made the event schedule for this year, was hopefully that it would be a, you know, a later season tilt with the Oakland A's who were going to be a, a competitive potential you know, uh, playoff team. And they're there right now, currently mm-hmm. in, in the second uh, or in one of – yeah, in the sec- tied for the second playoff spot, uh, wild card spot with Cleveland. And they've been hot, so they're, uh, we'll see what your boy Billy Bean does at the, at the trade deadline. He'll probably get some mediocre player that hey, might you already help got, them if they get hot. You already got Homer Bailey. There you go. Exactly. Perfect. It's <laughs> a perfect Oakland A. I don't know how Homer Bailey has not been in Oakland A yet. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't. The, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm sure they'll get somebody who has a lot of triples. A couple, couple guys that uh, – a little Scott Hattenberg why, action. Why, why you – Hattenberg, not Hattenberg. Why are, you, why are you knocking triples? Triples are a good thing. Yeah. No, that's great. They're perfect for Billy Bean. He loves them. Um, no, he he likes slugging. He likes home runs. He likes everything. He likes everything that gets uh, gets guys in. Gets guys in, and you don't have to pay them money. Aren't you happy that this year, at least, we're on track to not have to worry about who the Yankees are going to be playing in the wild card game? I'm not going there yet. I'm not. I'm definitely not <laughs> mentally at that point. There's a lot of people already talking about like playoffs and doing things like this, and I just I won't really vocalize that conversation yet because there's just so much time, ha- you know, to go and. I swear to God, man, it seems like every day these injuries just continue to, to come. I mean, Ben Heller now uh, also for AAA as well. I, and I know it's not effective the, affecting the major league roster right this very second. but Well, it sucks so for Ben Heller. I like ben, for ben Heller as a guy. And I, I was – I know we, we had him – we talked to him on the podcast a couple of years ago. He was one of the nicer I – mean, every player has been nice. But he was one of the guys who just seemed to have more fun with the conversation than a lot of guys have. So – a kind of a fan of Ben Heller, and we're rooting for him to get back because, yeah, you guys nerded out on some Pokemon stuff that I had no idea what you were talking oh, yeah, about. This was when Pokemon Go was like all the rage. Uh, but Ben Heller is a guy that has the potential to be an effective late inning bullpen arm, or like you talked about, hey, maybe they're going to use him like an opener situation because they started him in some rehab games as a starter with a couple innings relief in in. Um, Scranton so you could kind of see what they were thinking as a track for Ben Heller and then he feels discomfort and he has to be shut down um, and anytime you feel discomfort in the elbow after Tommy John surgery but yeah it's disappointing because you know the other thing he, he was dominating AAA I mean he had come up I think it was five or six appearances hadn't even given up a run yet so the guy was you know pitching well in AAA he uh, he, he got brought up through, kind of through the system quickly and it seemed like everything was going well and uh, and then, yeah, shut down because of he's, you know, again, it's always them them feeling something. They, they feel something, you know, whatever that is, they, some discomfort or whatever. It's just something, you know, and and unfortunately for him, it's elbow, forearm, you know, whatever that is, whether it's uh, tightness or, or discomfort or whatnot. But obviously, when you're feeling something in that in that, you know, re- in that uh, surgically repaired throwing arm in your forearm slash elbow, not good news. You know, it's funny if, if if Ben Heller was rehabbing in the 70s and he felt something the, the training staff would tell him to ice it, suck it up, pussy and go back out there. Yeah. And they give him some of the special coffee. <laughs> the uh, 
No, but he's. Um, I, I think they sent him back up to New York too for you mm-hmm. know I'm sure MRI and to see the doctors. Yeah. So the Yankees split the first two of the of the first two games of the the Tampa series so far, and this was a four game series that I know the Yankees were eyeing, we were eyeing because the way the schedule breaks, the Yankees don't see Tampa again until the last week of the season. So this was going to be the really one of the last chances Tampa had to get face-to-face matchups with the Yankees and climb back into the ALEs race. Tampa, if they're going into this, I think their mindset had to be, we need to take minimum three out of four in this week if we want to have a chance in the ALEs. I know you're not writing any teams off at this point. I'm not writing teams off either. But when you start to do the math and what Tampa would have to play when they're six back in the standings, eight back in the loss column, the math works out to where they need to win a lot more games than the Yankees. They need to win eight more games than the Yankees over the span of this of the rest of the season. And the six matchups they have with the Yankees are a prime chance to do that. And Monday they they stole a game. They absolutely stole a game. And I know some people were freaking out a little bit because you see the first game of a series, Travis Darno has three home runs, takes your closer deep, even though it was probably a cheap home run, but you can't complain about it. It's a Yankee Stadium short porch home run. How many times have we had that go in our favor? Yeah, we, nobody can ever call it cheap. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a home run that, that's played. For, I mean, you could tell that he was, <laughs> he was, the whole point of that at bat that what's frustrating for people is because this guy's been hitting the right field and going the opposite way. The entire time, it's his approach. So when you're going up there and and you're looking um, fastball, potential slider, like you're just trying, he's just trying to slap it to right field. That was his whole approach the entire time. So he's playing the ballpark like that. Yeah. That to me is actually not even a cheap home run because what he's doing is intentional and he's trying to go to that right field. So you know, it's just frustrating because they should know that and see that because we're all seeing it. <laughs> no, I, I just don't think no matter what you can ever say. Anything is cheap in, in any any stadium, but especially the Yankee Stadium, where the Yankees get the benefit of the short porch countless times. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the Yankees been. I think the Yankees, if they if they split the four game series, which is still possible, if they split the doubleheader, I think that's a win in the Yankees book because you're just delaying. You're just you're just you know idling while Tampa right. needs to, needs to go full bore. And if the Yankees can just split, well, then you just erase four games head to head on the stand in the in the schedule, and Tampa gained nothing. No, I mean it's important at this point to to do that because of the way that the schedule is mapped out, and that these teams aren't going to play each other. It's so crazy. It's still like it baffles me. September twenty fourth and twenty fifth, two games in Tampa is the next and last time they play. It's the last week of the season. The way that Major League Baseball made these schedules and I don't know if the um if the other divisions are similar in in fashion where there's just all these clumped games with a a, a rival in their division but it seems like that the it seems like the London series screwed everything up and the fact that the Yankees and the Red Sox and Tampa have all played so many times within a month in the dead middle of the season and are are really just you know not as many games in the back end of the uh, of the year as you normally would have as as you normally would like really as a division contender you know to either defend it or try to make up some uh make up some ground so it's, right. it's just wild the way that the season's gone gone this uh the, the schedule has been made this year it seemed like they played baltimore every day in april and right. they, they didn't play toronto until june and, yep. the, and they haven't played a game at fenway park yet so they're so they're gonna play a ton of games against the red sox in a very small a short amount of time and the games that we were supposed to play 
at Fenway. We're played in London. Yeah. And Tampa, we've played 100 times in the past, you know, three they're, weeks, they're, it seems They're like. almost done. they got four games left, doubleheader today, and then the two games at the end of the season with Tampa. And so, so it's like when I notice on an NFL schedule, it's like a division rival plays week 14 and week 16. It's like how how have they not played yet? And it's just the end of the season, and they're gonna and they're gonna play twice in the last couple of weeks of the season. But yeah, it, I mean, it's a disservice to the to the division, honestly, because you're not seeing the best. You're not going to see the best race down the stretch because there's not going to be an uh, an easier path to catch up for anybody. Well, baseball's so weird because sometimes, um, like for example, the Detroit Tigers played the Yankees the first week of the season when the Yankees were playing like dog shit and they had all those injuries hitting them and Detroit took two out of three and then they haven't played them again. I I don't, I think the Yankees go to Detroit sometime soon, but Detroit's going to get a completely different Yankees team when they go to Detroit than they saw back in April. And I know that's just part of it because the season is so long, but when you start to look at head to head, head matchups, you're like, well, this doesn't really add up because the teams were not playing to their capabilities. They're not playing they're not this isn't a true representation of the team I, when you play them. I mean that's going to happen with any year but the I guess. But I I mean I don't care about the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Tigers don't care about the New York I Yankees. I use it as, as an example. I know but my point is is that like the 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 understandably the the landscape of the team has changed but you're not giving uh like Tampa for instance if I'm a big Tampa fan if that's a thing uh which it's not, by the way. But if it if it were a thing, I would be upset because now I only have two games in September to to make up any kind of ground. Like, yeah, I understand they all count the same. Do it earlier. But there's something towards the end of baseball where they should have more of these division, uh, these divisional series in these games, like totally stacked at the end, um, and, and not just they should be moved around better. Like this year, they're just clumped in the middle, and I understand that you can't really schedule it based on projections on who's going to be good or not good like i get that and it just works out that we'll probably play the orioles uh, a crappy team and the toronto blue jays more a crappy team and it works out for us it's great for the yankees but for the division itself it's and baseball it's just a little funky here's a better example last year when the yankees struggled against baltimore in the early part of the season baltimore was playing with manny machado and jonathan scope and and all the other players, they ended up trading away. And you're saying, okay, maybe they're getting a little bit better of a crappy team than the version that the Orioles ended up being. Regardless, uh, the Yankees entered the series this week, winning 30 of their last 39 games at Yankee Stadium, 12-0-1 in series at Yankee Stadium. They've been a dominant home team. They can keep that, that uh, lossless streak alive with a split today. And I think that's all you have to do is split the doubleheader today. That, yeah, I mean, to, and if they can get it in, that's that's the the key, I guess, because the, the the weather is not so good right now. No, that's um, why they they canceled the game last night, and it wasn't raining when they canceled it, and then right around seven thirty, it just started absolutely downpouring. And you look at the weather today, and it's thunderstorms all afternoon. So in fact, there may actually be four games against the Rays later in the season. Because these games awesome if they more double headers on like an off happen. day. They're gonna have to squeeze in an off day. Yep, because Tampa doesn't come back to Yankee Stadium at any right. Point. The so other two games were in Tampa. They would have to squeeze in an off day, on a mutual off day somewhere, and and just fit in a doubleheader. Yeah, but they uh, if if they can't get them in, yeah, split the doubleheader and and be good with that because then Colorado comes into town and you move forward. But the uh, the way that it, it'll be interesting because the way that the the, the pitching now is going to be lining up for the Yankees. You know, with the uh, the fact that they're going with an opener as well, um, it'll be interesting to see how Boone uses the bullpen. 
I think that's been one of the key interesting things all year long and how he's used it. And forcing him into an opener situation now with a double header uh, is, uh, is well, just taking that to the next level. No, he said they were going to use a, they were going to have to go with either an opener or call somebody up during this stretch because of the no off days. And they decided to do it on the double header day because they get a 26th man. So they're taking the opportunity of a free extra pitcher to use the go. opener today rather than doing it over the weekend against Colorado. So they're going to go Herman, probably Chad Green, and then Hap on Friday. So does Boone get credit for that? Does Boone get any credit for what he just did? Because to me, that's a nice. That's little, not a Boone decision. That, that's yeah, but that's a little bit of a ve- little bit of a veteran move, a little bit of a veteran sneaky move. <laughs> that's not a know. Boone decision. <laughs> Boone's I'm going to put it on Boone. Boone is Boone, relaying what Brian Cashman and, and the analytics department is telling him. I in that Boone, scenario, I think Boone said, "You know what, guys? Let's not use Hap today. Let's let's push him because we get a 26th man. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 use that extra guy. Let's use that extra I'm bullpen. Not knocking and, we'll, Aaron and we'll Boone in this and we'll go and we'll we'll bullpen this uh, one of these games there because we have an extra player. Uh, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm chalking that up to one year of veteran experience as a manager. Awesome. Yeah, I don't, I'm not giving that to Boone. I'm also not saying that Boone should have been making that decision. I'm not knocking Boone in that scenario. I'm just saying it's an obvious choice. Any other thoughts on that horrible, terrible, gut-wrenching loss on Monday? What are you chalking? I mean, some. It, I thought it was funny that people took two, two, two paths on that loss. Sky is falling, or that's just a fluke. Let's move on to the next day. That seemed to be the two camps. So it was just, it was just one of those where you you get the uh, you get the lead. You're like, okay, feeling feeling really good right now. Um, Encarnacion finally a huge moment. He had been struggling. The two home runs in a big moment was great to see. It was great to see. Geo ties the game, and and then they uh, they they take the lead. And then freaking Chapman comes in and gives it up. I mean, look, I know Chapman's been good this year. When you're looking at the numbers and the fact that he's gotten out of a lot of situations, he's had a lot of runners on base. There's no doubt about it. Some of them have been uh, eventful. They've been eventful outings. And, you know, he's, he's been able to get out of them. He's been throwing that slider. We talked about this last episode. He's been throwing that slider a ton. And the fact that you have a guy like Travis Darno, who who is not a good offensive player. I mean, he's... He's okay. You know, like he's probably more known for his offense than his glove, but that's not really saying a lot. He's been to the Mets twice. He's been now missing from the Mets twice. That says more about who Travis Darno is as a as a, a full-time player and what his career has been than anything, I think. And when you're coming up there and and he's already ripped your heart out after getting excited like super fast when we were in Tampa on uh, the, the last Saturday on the on the 10th or the 6th. When he comes up and just you know puts that ball over, by the way, the right field stands in Tampa or in St. Pete, the guy looks to go the other way. That's that's just what he does. He did it against Chad Green. Chad Green has uh, Chad Green and uh, Aroldis Chapman probably two of the better fastballs you know on the team. Right? He's looking to go the other way. When you're looking to go the other way, and 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 Chapman continues to throw sliders, sliders. Like it's just that much easier for him to put a late swing and slap it over the right field fence. It was a bad. And that's slider exactly too. what he did. It was just. It was a slider that wasn't, didn't do much. Wasn't where Chapman wanted to throw the slider. Darno, three home runs on Monday. Three home runs. Four. That's ho- what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating. So I wasn't <laughs> a skies falling. It was frustrating to how it happened. Sure. It was frustrating that Travis Darno was the guy that they would allow that to happen. And please, 
you have a guy like Travis Darno, who's their who's their catcher. He's in the heart of everything, right? All these decisions. There's been beef with this Tampa team. Mm. You don't think a lot of that's coming from the catcher? The battery has a lot of control over a game. So the beef comes from somewhere, right? Like there's a reason where's why. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? The where's it coming from? A lot of it has to do with what happens at the plate. Why not? Why not make him feel uncomfortable? I saw, some people were tweeting at uh, tweeting well, at me talking about this. But see, the this. problem is the ninth inning isn't the opportunity with two men on to make him feel uncomfortable. You have to get him no, out. I don't need. I, but if he that was that was not even the the time that I would have done it. After he hit another home run, after he's so the he's second home run twice. off James Paxton, yes, to the exact same guy out in the right field stands, like a Let's, carbon copy of of the home runs. Let's just make him feel uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about, and you can still do it in the ninth inning. You could, Chadwick could still do it. And I'm not talking about hit him. Yeah, I don't need you to hit him. Plate or I just need you yeah. to throw inside and make him uncomfortable. If he's, he's obviously reaching out over the plate, looking to go the other way, let's, let's just pepper him inside and see what happens. Because you know what? He's obviously been doing well with the, with the uh, ball on the outside, and he's, he's got good back control. That's clear. He's been able to poke these balls from Chad Green and uh, and Chapman over the right field fence and James Paxton. Three guys that all throw hard. It's just infuriating when you see who did it. So I think it was more of a shell shock, like in the moment, like I can't believe that just happened. Right. But um, you know, like sh- shit happens. I get it. It's not. I-, I wasn't crushed after it, but it's it's frustrating when you see who did it. Because mm-hmm. hey, the Yankees, <clears throat> it's kind of weird. The Yankees almost stole the game, and then the Rays stole it back from them. Four of Darno's nine home runs have all come against the Yankees all recently. Like you said, the last series at Tampa when he had the walk-off. So it was kind of weird because you look at the, the stat cast data on the game, and Chapman's, the hits he gave up were, were not hard. Even the home run wasn't hard. It, it had a low probability of even being a hit, never mind a home run. Just And I know, it's part of the stadium. There's a fence there, yeah. It's part of the stadium, whatever. If this is another park that has a farther right field fence, that's a fly ball to the warning track. I'm not complaining about that. It's just when you look at it, Chad Green got six outs and gave up missiles in that game. Literally, all of his balls were hard hit. Chapman wasn't giving up hard hits. It was just poor timing and the the one that left the the ballpark. Uh, I think I want, what I also want to talk about with Chapman is the whole opt-out stuff. We, we mentioned it last episode. I think rumors have been starting. Ken Rosenthal reported from one source, Chapman is 1 million percent opting out after the season. I don't know where that source came from. I don't know if this is someone with the team that's thinking that, if it's someone in Chapman's camp that's thinking that. Or What credible, what credible person <clears throat> says 1 million percent chance? Well, you see it from <laughs> Ken. You see something written by Ken Rosenthal. You trust Ken Rosenthal. I, I think Ken Rosenthal is one of the more trustworthy beat writers out there. If I'm Ken Rosenthal and I get that quote, I'm dumbing it down a little bit. I'm going to be like, can, we, can you just give me a... Why, though? Can if you, you have a can source you just say you it again? Trust, if you have a source you trust and you're Ken Rosenthal and someone is so emphatic about something, you run with that. Yeah, but it's such a definitive... And, and the language, it's just a strange way to say it. Because it's a very many, strange way. Not many professional... You know, not many people around a professional athlete like that that have any credibility will say one million percent. So like here, just, nobody, nobody says that. <clears throat> Chapman posted on Instagram. Don't we, o- we say that? <laughs> Chapman posted on Instagram. Don't always believe what you hear. Yankee one hundred percent. My question to you: I know you're not a math guy. You're a doctor. You're not a stats guy. What's a larger number? One million or one hundred? Well, one million is it's a higher larger number. than one hundred. Yes. So but in, if in, I'm going here, one million percent. Right. 1 million versus 100. I think I'm going to believe Ken Rosenthal. 
If we're talking about percentages, it's actually the same. Oh, okay. Is that how that works? Yep. Yep. As a doctor, if I'm giving somebody a diagnosis and I say 1 million percent or 100 percent, they're screwed. Same thing. That, either way, screwed. Um, <laughs> Whatever we're talking about is bad. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Chapman at least put the rumors on pause for now, which is good. I appreciate it. But he did not put the rumors to bed because he didn't say, I am not opting out. He just said, Yankee 100%. Don't always believe what you hear. He's still leaving it open. And you know what? He has the right to leave it open. It's in his contract that he can opt out after the season. If a player thinks they can get more money on the open market versus what they're already guaranteed, by all means, opt out. Chapman has a very hard decision. This isn't like when Ch- when uh, CC opted out after the 2012 season. The market was different back then. CC opted out, and the Yankees immediately gave him the extra year on the contract. There's no guarantee if Chapman opts out that he's going to get more than two years and $30 million on the open market. Uh, because look at what Kimbrell just got. He right. had to wait until June to sign. There's going to be a draft pick associated with Chapman because if he opts out, the Yankees will give him a qualifying offer. He'll decline it, and then there'll be a draft pick associated with him. So you're going to be in the same boat that Kimbrell was in where the only teams who are going to be willing to sign an aging closer to giant money are contenders. Okay, are there, Maybe the Red Sox will be like, okay, we, f- we effed up last year, didn't sign Kimbrell. We have a shitty bullpen. We have to have Nathan Avaldi close games. Let's not F up again and let's sign Chapman. That's a possibility. But there's no guarantee if you're Aroldis Chapman, you're going to get more than the two years that you're already guaranteed from the Yankees. Aroldis Chapman's had some shaky history in Fenway. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Maybe you're going to uh, hold the Yankees' hand to the fire and the Yankees are going to be like, all right, we'll give you one extra year. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I wouldn't even be upset at that. But look, I, I mean, I think that all of this is, I mean, this is the same approach that I have. I've said this in the past. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all, it's all posturing. It's all nonsense. I mean, Chapman doesn't want anybody to talk about this right now because it, does, it puts him in a situation where he's got to talk about it. And he doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to go out there, pitch as well as he can. And then after the year, look at his numbers and say, okay, these numbers are X. They are good enough where I can get X on the free market. And I'm going to put myself out there and try to see what I can get. Or I am going to... Just take what I have and 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 keep it. I expect him most likely to to test, you know, what he's going to get to see you know, what people are getting. But again, it's risky because of some of these closer contracts. But at the end of the day, I mean, he didn't get the the AAV, but Kimbrel did get more. At the end of the day, he did get signed to um, you know a, a relatively decent deal, but it wasn't what he wanted to get. But he also had to wait until June. But he had to wait till June, and and that could have been very well, you know. His side just not getting the right thing, the the right deal. But there's a market set now, and it's just with uh, with the collective bargaining agreement. You know, there's just a lot of things that are that are open for interpretation. I think and like up in the air for for free agents. So there's not a lot of security there. Yeah, and, and I Ch- Chapman Swag <laughs> needs the dollars, man. Like that guy can't live without a lot. I also money. think he enjoys being a New York Yankee. I think he's that kind of person. I think so too. But yeah, I mean, he likes he's he's in Miami most of the time, so he's a uh, but I think he does like. I think he likes the association with being a New York Yankee. <laughs> You're not going to get the same amount of Instagram likes wearing a Marlins cap as you are wearing a Yankees cap. But Starlin also, Castro knows that well. I was. Yeah. Uh, this is random. I saw Starlin Castro hit a hit a home run to break up uh, Paddock's no hitter last night, and I was like, "Yeah, well, let me see what Starlin Castro's up to." 
boy is he not having a good year. He's having like a he's got like a ninety OPS plus, which is below league average, and he's got a negative WAR. Hmm. I, I still was I was sad to see him go because during the when that deal happened, he was a bright spot in the dark times of the he was 2016 a New York Yankees, and it was a savvy move to bring him over. And then what does Cashman do? He brings the other the other second baseman from the Chicago Cubs organization, the one that's much more highly touted. Uh, over in Glaber Torres, and and kind of one ups his own deal. So, I'm not I'm not upset with the the outcome. What did you think of Paxton uh, on Monday night? So he allowed the two home runs to Darno, but overall pitched pretty good. I still do not like the fact that Paxton every time you look up in the sixth inning is at 100 pitches. I understand that this is what baseball is today, and if you're the Yankees with a stacked bullpen, you don't need James Paxton to go eight innings. But I still think the Yankees need one of their starting pitchers to be able to go past six innings. And I don't know who it's going to be. Is it going to be Tanaka? Is it going to be Paxton? Is, I, I, Severino I, I was the guy. Is. Severino was the guy, but Severino I don't think is going to be healthy enough this year to do that. They're talking about if Severino comes back, he's like a 75-pitch guy. So he's yeah, not a, I, I, I highly doubt we see Severino go stretched out unless, unless he gets back – you know, and does better than they expect, and, and he ramps up a little bit further. But just the, the way that the timing works out, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to no, get he's, to that. And it doesn't seem be, like they want to risk it either. They're not going to be back until late August, early September. So, what, But don't you agree? You need somebody to count on to go past six, past six innings, especially in the playoffs, to where, okay, maybe at 100 pitches, you're going to take the guy out regardless just because you got a fresh arm in the bullpen. But playoffs even get condensed further. And the pitches get all more intense. So maybe if Paxton's only going six innings in the regular season, maybe that comes back down to five innings in the playoffs. And I don't I mean, I, you can't make that correlation, though. The, 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 so I, well, I don't think did. it's... Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. The, the, just the, the stress of a... Tanaka was the guy we thought last year who you could count on to go deep in a game. And he pitched the... Tanaka pitched the best in the ALDS, and he didn't get out of the fifth inning. Right. So... I think that is because a lot of the a lot of the reasons, and this is this is something that that's been a, a conversation topic, is because of the bullpen. You know, when you have a stack bullpen, and, and I think a lot of it is going to we're going to see what we do at the uh, trade deadline too. Because if they go out there and bolster that bullpen even more, then it's it's certainly not a a necessity. I mean, that's just the way that the, today's game is. Like, I don't think it's a need. I don't think they absolutely need somebody. I think Tanaka has the ability. I think Paxton has the ability. Shit, Jay Happ has the ability to go deep into a game. We've seen him pitch his best in they're the not, second half. They would never let year. Jay Happ go deep into a playoff game. I, I think but, it's got to be Paxton thing. or Tanaka. If we're just talking about the guys on the current roster, they're not going to let Paxton go deep into a game either. And Tanaka, with the amount of home runs that he gives up, would be a, a stretch to let him go deep. Wouldn't you like to see Paxton go a little bit deeper in these regular season games? Yes, but what I am seeing right now is I am uh, encouraged when I see him throw. I think it was 107 pitches. Yep. So and he's, Boone he's let him get out of a sixth inning jam at 100 pitches, which yeah. sometimes so I think they see that triple digits. They see the triple digit pit count, and they're like, all right, that's it for him. That's a wrap. Doesn't even matter. Right, because they got whiny-ass nerds screaming at them in high-pitched voices from the dugout, and he doesn't want to hear it. I mean, I understand. You know, just, uh, you're trying to shut them up. He, he got out of the jam, and I, I, I liked that Boone let him get out of the jam. I just see so many deep counts early in the game that stacks up the pitch count. And, that's the problem with him. I mean, that's that's a, the clear and obvious problem. He's two two three two on every batter. He's not. He's struggling to put hitters away. He strikes out a ton of guys, which adds up to the pitch count. I remember Sabathia talked about during his evolution as a pitcher, where he went from a strikeout pitcher to a soft contact pitcher. He said 
he it's a different mentality, but he'd rather get an out on one pitch than a three-pitch strikeout because that's going to allow him to go deeper in games. He's going to get the soft contact, whether it's a weak pop-up or a weak ground ball to the infield. That's what he's going for. I'm not saying Paxton should pitch that way because that's not who Paxton is right now. But well, when, and early on, CC didn't care about getting out of an at bat early. He just wanted to mow a guy down. And so. he also, I feel like, I feel like we talk about 2009 like it was the 1970s. But but Sabathia regularly went over 100 pitches and regularly went into the seventh, eighth, and even ninth inning. For but the there Yankees. was more of a, the culture was different in baseball at that point too. Like you were allowing guys. It was, guys ten, to it was go ten years ago, games. but my God, was it different? Like I just, I, I remember it so, so vividly. But it yeah, was so I mean, the, different just 10 years ago. The way that they approach the pitching staff is completely different. And the, the fact that the analytics now are involved in every decision, whether you're a starter or a reliever uh, and up and down the lineup, you know, it, it just it, it limits to it limits the damage, I think, on, on what can be done for a pitcher because there's so many options. There are so many opportunities for you to get taken out of a game. <laughs> the, num- the amount of numbers that there are for you to get taken out of a game are, are are crazy because there are so many, there's more options that are not currently pitching than you. And you can throw all these numbers out there and find a better option somewhere. Oh yeah. You like, well, what it really boils down to is who is going to have a better probability of getting this batter out. James Paxton, who's thrown a hundred pitches or Tommy Canley, who hasn't thrown a pitch tonight. That's really the, like the decision. Tommy Canley, Chad green, item out of what, whoever the name is. It depends on the situation, obviously, because it depends on who's up, uh, you know, after that and who else is available in a pen. But yes, all of these decisions come down to individual matchups now. And it's not just, you know, back in the day, we're talking about, you know, bringing guys in the, the lefty specialist that doesn't really exist anymore where a guy comes in just to pit, literally just to pitch to David Ortiz. Like, that's why he's on the roster. Mm-hmm. That guy doesn't oh, yeah, really no. e- exist anymore. And next year, but, maybe will exist even less when they have the, the batter minimum. That well, that and they're just getting more specialized. These these starting pitchers, it's become just so ingrained now and entrenched in the way that baseball is played, is that starters don't go more than six innings. Like that's you look at five six innings for the starter, and then you go to your bullpen. That's just the way the game is now. And if you get anything else from that, it's gravy. Yeah, I still I I want to see Paxton step up. He was the guy I was identifying for the second half who I want to see step up. This was a fine start but I think he's capable of better starts is what I'm saying. Look, man, the old, the old man in me is shaking my fist and wants everybody to go deeper into a game. There's no doubt no, about I it. I know that's unrealistic, and I know Paxton going eight innings every night is unrealistic, but, but uh, there comes a he's time. Gotta, he's got to clean up the beginning of his starts. Yes. If he can clean up the beginning of his starts and act like you know uh, fourth, fifth, sixth inning Paxton, then I think there's a very, very good opportunity where we're going to see him pitch deeper into games because he's getting into trouble early on and if he can figure this out, because nobody else can, it's got to come from him. At some point or another, you got to like just nut up in the beginning and just say, you know what? Today is not going to be that day. Today, I am not giving up a run in the first inning. I'm going to mow these guys down, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to change my mentality. I'm going to do whatever I need to do, but I'm getting out of this inning clean. And until he can do that, until he can you know, prove that he can do that, guys are going to look for certain things. They're going to jump, try to jump on him. First batter the of count. the game was Darno hit a home run. Yeah, they're trying to jump on him. They know his struggles. He knows the struggles. So now it's a game of chicken. And the, it looked pretty grim for the Yankees heading into the middle part of Tuesday's game where they had the bad loss on Monday and they were losing a game on Tuesday. And they looked dead. Didn't the team just have, look like it had no energy until Sabathia manufactured that beef? 
Well, you know, the offense just hasn't done anything really since uh, since London. Essentially, they've only I mean, scored they've, they've on home slumping. runs, really. And I yeah. know this is like and well, there really still wasn't much different. <laughs> but no, they've scored a most of the runs they've scored off Tampa. When you go back to the series before the All Star break, were all on the home run. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't much different when they when they woke up too. It was it was all because of the home run ball. And it was it's been different to this point in the season, which is why we have. I think identified this offense as more complete than last year's offense, even though they might not be at the numbers might not say they're scoring as many runs or hitting as many home runs or whatever it may be, but they have a more, more complete offense this year, a more dangerous offense in situations. We want to see them succeed in with runners in scoring position. That hasn't happened the last few games against Tampa. And I understand Tampa is a good pitching team, right? Yeah. You're not going to down up and down. They're good. So you're facing a better opponent. I, I get it. But there's still opportunities to, to score runs off this team, and they, they have not succeeded with runners in scoring position against Tampa. Could be a fluke. The the analytics people will say, "Listen, risp is a fluke. Doesn't matter. Like what risp risp risp, risp. runners risp. in scoring position is a fluke. Doesn't or is random. Doesn't matter that DJ LeMay who has hit four fifty, which is which is bu- which is which is bullshit. He, just because DJ LeMay, who is leading the league in runners in scoring position batting average, doesn't mean he will continue the league to lead the league in runners in scoring batting average. He's not anymore. He's actually second now. Um, I forget who was on top, but somebody else passed him. Okay, at great this point. But because because the last couple, he's probably gone like zero for three in his last three. That dipped him below the uh, whatever the lead. lead I mean, he was hitting is. at he was hitting at a stupid amount. I mean, he was hitting like close to damn close to five hundred. Right, and he's still it's not still hitting at a stupid amount. He, in uh, theory, he should hit the same. With runners to score position as he hits normally. Yeah, in theory, but again, the <laughs> that theory doesn't to me compute to, to what I see on the field and, and logic saying that different situations are more pressure filled than others. This so. is not I don't want to get into a clutch versus not clutch discussion. What I want to talk about is Sabathia firing the team up and I and I really think he did it on purpose. I do not think there was anything there with Garcia. He started jarring with him after he came off the mound in the sixth inning. Garcia, after the game, was like, I didn't say anything to him. I just heard Sabathia yelling at me for some reason. So whatever CC was pissed at, we don't necessarily know what CC was pissed about. He downplayed it after the game. The, the benches came out. Didi had to hold back the bear. He said it was like holding back a bear. But you know what? I don't know. I like it because clearly the team needed a little bit of a spark. And they seem to get something after that moment. So I don't think I don't think it was manufactured to the sense that he said, "I'm going out there and I'm going to pick a beef with somebody." I think that when um, you have a team that's played as much as they have with contentious games, because er- pretty much every single game we've played against the Rays has been close. They've all been like high pressure, high intensity games late in the game as well. So any little thing, especially with CeCe, man, like he's such a competitor and looking for those things. If you look at him the wrong way and there's underlying uh, drama that's already which happened. There is. There's been a which few there things. Is, so he, it, it doesn't take anything to set it off. He's looking for, for stuff like that. Because if you, if you look at him the wrong way, like I don't think he was going out there looking to make um, like in this inning, I'm going to you know, get mad and fire this team up. I think that he's constantly looking for anything like watching them and seeing if they look at him the wrong way so that he can do that because he loves it. He think it does fire up the team. And, and to say that, like, here's the thing, like, which I think is hilarious. Anybody who uh, loves the analytics and talks about the fact that everything should be different. Okay. So why is it different than when, when, when a guy fires up the team? Why is it different then? 
Why is why is the approach different when the team is all of a sudden fired up and they want to they want to do well? No, they'll What's say different they'll, now. They'll say that it's not that the Yankees would have hit those home runs. Judge would have hit the go ahead home yeah, run. Exactly. Didi would have hit the grand slam regardless if CC was right. yelling at at the Rays right. or not. And there is evidence, you know, number four hundred and seventy five. Why it is complete horseshit? Well, we don't that know. Numbers we don't, don't know. tell the landscape of the actual story of the game. We don't know it, if it would have happened. No, it or does not. matter. Oh, it does matter. It matters <laughs> because what happens? There's there's a there's a different type of focus. There's a different type of hatred when you walk up to that plate. There's a different approach. And mentally, when you have that behind you. You just do things a little differently. Whether I think it's that so. quicker twitch, whatever it is, it's just different. I, and I agree. I think can't so. Be ex- can't be explained in the metrics. Uh, I, I don't know, though, if Sabathia yells at Garcia if the Yankees are winning 5 nothing at that moment. They were down in the game. Sabathia had the history last September where he uh, hit the guy in retaliation. That's for you, bitch. And then if you remember in May in Tampa, after LeMahieu hit a home run, they hit the Rays hit Voight intentionally what seemed to be intentionally Voigt was pissed after the game Sabathia was this is stupid this is like why are they doing this so he had comments about that back in May and now this yeah no there's I mean there's definitely been and and you know with with the close games with the walk-off from uh you know in Tampa after Hicks hits that big home run you know to to tie the game and then like it seemed like immediately the the ball was over the fence um, by Darno again to to win the game. So there's been there's been a very high compet, uh, competitiveness to these games. I mean, there's just been a, a when you have a close game late and you're a divisional opponent and that team has flipped. You've you've flipped the standings now because Tampa was on top for a while. There's just a different feeling for that game between the two teams. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I don't care. I think some people are like you know. I saw um, in our chat the uh, John Blazer writer on our team was talking about like. Um, you know, he doesn't want to give the credit to the race. He doesn't want that intensity there because he doesn't want to put them on the map. I, I kind of understand that. It's like I like the I like like the the Yankees cocky fandom attitude for that one. Like it like I kinda of like that. But at the same time, I also like the competitiveness with the division rival. I don't really care who they are for me. I just like having that that um that dislike between the two teams. Well here's I the thing. It. You're not gonna baseball. get the fan you're not gonna get the same sort of fan fire because there's no fans for the race. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. I think well, no, you're not it, does, it does matter. No, no, but I mean, right, like in the moment for the two teams, it doesn't. No, matter. No, it doesn't matter for saying. the two teams. But for us fans sitting at home watching and on social media arguing with people, since that's all social media has turned into, there's no Rays fans up in our mentions. Really, you get a couple, but like if it's the Red Sox, you get a ton. Remember when the Blue Jays had their little run in 2014, 2015? ton of Blue Jays people came out of the woodwork. Super nice. Super we, nice fans. We haven't seen the <laughs> Orioles be good in a long time. Not at least since when the Yankees were also really good. So I don't know. I, th- I think there's more Orioles fans out there than there are Tampa fans. Oh, there's definitely more Orioles fans. So that you, get, you don't get that with Tampa is what I'm saying. You get the couple people because you get the cocky Rays Twitter account. I feel like the, the biggest troll out of all the Rays fans is the Rays Twitter person. They're the one like doing a lot of this digging with these post game yeah, post game stuff. Uh, oh, took uh, took extra innings to beat us tonight and all that kind of crap. That gets people going. But again, it's between the players. When there's an intensity level between the players, that to me makes the baseball better. It's more these guys want to win every single day. But when you don't like somebody, there's just that extra edge that that puts you over 
um, that gives the uh, the game just a different feeling. And and that's what it's been for Tampa. I mean, I don't care who, who what the laundry is across the uh, across the diamond. They're competitive. It's a competitive team, and they're playing the Yankees well. They pitch well against the Yankees, and the Yankees know it. Oh, uh, if they... all of these games, this series could be very different. The the head to head series between the two of the, these two teams, um, as far as win losses in this uh, in in 2019, because of the you know the close games and, and you know uh, barely you know, squeaking out wins. If the Yankees and the Rays meet in the playoffs, it'll be a dogfight. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Judge's home run to to give them the lead, uh, right field. There you go. <laughs> Opposite field, but you know what? He took he went with the pitch on this one. So it's not like he he muscled an inside pitch out to right field. But I love the narrative. He was smoking singles uh when he went four for four in that game, by the way. Oh like, yeah, missiles. Uh, but I, I love hard, the narrative. Hard hit. All every single one of them was over hundred miles an hour exit velocity. And everybody's like, Oh, but he can't turn on it. Like, what are you talking about? You gotta be some kind of special asshole to after Judge went like six hits in a row with singles to start calling him a singles hitter. Because <laughs> yeah. some people were. Why can't Judge hit home runs anymore? Judge is the most overrated player in baseball because all he does is hit singles. I mean, I don't know who says that, but the... Uh, oh, the, I saw that. Someone posted that in our Facebook group. The single... I think there's just speculation on, like... Again, people think just think he's still injured. Everybody keeps going back to that. Oh, like, oh, no, I've seen the ball. First of all, he's hit a bunch of home runs. I think he was... He's on pace to hit, like, 40-some... 40-plus home runs if you look at the, the numbers and when he's played. Uh, he's been out. So, whatever. It's all, it's all nonsense. Well, people are stupid. Um, but he's also smoking the ball, too. And the fact that he's going the other way just makes him a better, more lethal. The, the pitchers certainly don't want to see him going the other way uh, and, and you know going big fly the other way. That's like the, the last thing the pitchers want to see. But all this boils down to is he needs to hit like a 465-foot home run to left field just to satisfy people. Just do I, one of them. I don't even care. I hope he doesn't. I know I you he don't just care. just keeps going to right field. I don't care because a, a home run's a home run. But you're not stupid. People are stupid. But it doesn't matter. Aaron Judge doesn't care. <laughs> Aaron Judge does not care what anybody is saying well, this, in the world. He the, doesn't. This brings me to the segment, what awesome thing did Aaron Judge do? Obviously the home run. But he also threw out the guy from right field going first to third on Monday. And I looked up some numbers on his arm. And he's got three outfield putouts this year. He's got plus one run saved with his arm. That's in limited time. Again, a horseshit number. Why? Because how many times has he not has he has he uh, kept guys at a base because of his arm where there's been no right, attempts? Right. So you know, I, I got to be here's, uh, again. Here's where metrics come in and, and are bullshit. I got to be completely honest. I could not find these, so I looked these numbers up on Fangraphs: runs above average arm and runs saved with his arm. I I don't think it factors in guys not running on you. How it can should it? it should. I agree with you. If How someone out it? there knows, can you tweet us? Can you send us an email about this? But Judge in 2018 had eight runs saved with his arm and he was 7.3 runs above average with his arm he's right with the league leaders so it's it's not like the metrics are saying Aaron Judge has a bad arm I'm not saying that so he's with the league leaders this year's league leader is Ramon uh Loreno of the A's five uh runs saved with his arm 7.2 runs above average so those numbers are in line with what Judge did last year so so uh, Judge's arm is fantastic it's the it's strong it's accurate he, he routinely throws guys out or keeps guys at, at first base trying to stretch a double. He plays the Yankees' right field corner tremendously. 
Um, it's like saying a catcher doesn't have uh, a good a catcher isn't respected with his arm because you know he's not throwing that many guys out. Well, there's not a lot of guys running on him either. And when they see that Aaron Judge is approaching the ball, they stop in their tracks because how many guys got to get thrown out? How many times are you going to look stupid by trying to take an extra base on Aaron Judge? It just doesn't happen as much anymore. The the third base coaches are watching and seeing that big ass dude in right field and are putting up the stop sign. They're just not running on him as much. So I, you know, again, metrics. They're they're good for certain things, but when you're when we're talking about things like this, like it, it doesn't tell the full story. It just doesn't. And and the majority of these metrics on the defensive side don't tell the whole story. And there's just too many things to take into account. Whether it's some nerd telling me that that guy should have uh, or was going to run, you, good luck in telling me that a, you as a, a a statistician on the on the sideline is going to tell me what that professional athlete was going to do or wasn't going to do. You, you just can't say that with any kind of certainty. Nor can you tell me that uh, a ball that was outside the plate, uh, off the plate, should have been called a strike. You can't tell me that because the guy called it a ball. So it's a ball. Or the guy called it a strike. It's a strike. You can't tell me what it was supposed to be called. You mad? Yeah, it's just... A, it's just a, the, the more we get deeper and deeper into these analytics, you know, especially on the defensive side... They're just frustrating, and, and to me, they're not ready. And, I, and I'm, you know, I, I and I think that we've been, um, that's from the guys that we've had on the show, the analytics guys that have come on the show have even said, defensive metrics, not totally ready. Three X. Then you, you need three, you see, three times as many defensive metrics as you do offensive metrics to get something that's predictive. And then, and, and then you're, and then you're approaching multiple seasons mm-hmm. or just too much of a, too long of a span to get an accurate reading on a player. Yeah, because there's also a, are a not, too big of a span. Yeah. All right. So you want me to stop talking about defensive metrics? Would you rather me just, you know, do the classic old? Oh, he's got he's a grinder. He's got plus. He's got a plus arm. Aaron Judge has a plus arm, Scott. It makes more sense. All right. I wonder if our listeners would would appreciate me just just going with that analysis. No, I, I think you should do it so that I can shred it. I think it, it's a. I'm doing a service to the baseball community by destroying defensive metrics. Uh, you're a regular mensch. Yankees got Terrence Gore from Kansas City for cash considerations. Whippy, they got a guy who will steal one base for them in September. People treated this like, oh, Bright Cash was a genius. He got a weapon off the bench. Shut up. Okay, Terrence Gore. Give a fuck about Terrence Gore. First of all, it's a it's a depth move. Uh-huh. I mean, fine. He, he's a guy who's who's come in and gotten some experience. Um, and can play the outfield like that's that's what it is. With the amount of injuries that have uh, that have happened in the outfield, they just needed some depth and a guy that that's Great. been. They got another guy goal. who they can add above Clint Frazier. You, you on the are depth listening chart. To, far too much to people that don't know what they're saying on Twitter. You need you need filters. I, I need to you need to give me uh, your login for Twitter and I need, and I need to go and mute some people so that you don't see this stuff. Oh, so what you don't know about, I, I'm, I have 90% of the people muted. Yeah. Well, but I still see Go to idiots. 95%. Go to 95%. Because they're, like, this, this is not, this is just Cashman coming out there and, and making a move. I think what, what made it so different this year was that it was earlier than a, normal, a move like this normally Because happens. there's no waiver, there's no post-trade deadline. There's no waiver deadline anymore. Right. So you're going to see guys like Terrence Gore, you know, get get shuffled around for cash considerations, or a player to be named later, or international pool money. Actually, probably not international pool money. That's probably too valuable for a guy like Terrence Gore. But you know, these moves will the start Yankees to happen. A little sent bit more him a hundred dollar gift card to Grand Central Oyster Bar for Terrence Gore. Hey, it's a, if you're a tourist, that's a good place to go. Fifteen hits in a hundred career games, forty stolen bases. Those are some stats. 
I mean, do we not have uh, – we have guys that can do that. Uh, my yeah, boy. You're my telling boy. me – well, so Gore's not Tyler, on the 40-man roster. Can, can steal yeah. some bases. Gore's not on the 40-man roster. Tyler Wade's on the 40-man roster. Yeah, maybe they end up fl- – maybe they acquired Terrence Gore so that later in the season, uh, before the trade deadline, maybe Tyler Wade's in a package for somebody and they want to have that insurance of someone who can run fast off the bench. All this is is Brian Cashman seeing an opportunity. It doesn't have to be a large opportunity. It's just something that fills one of the checks, one of the boxes that he's going to, you know, that he's been looking for. Or just like when I'm looking for things, I'm looking for I'm looking for like certain level moves. I'm looking for the big stuff, I'm looking for the middle stuff, and then I'm looking for the things that don't make a lot of not a lot of glory, but are needed things at some point or another. It just so happened that this particular need, a guy that's fast. Uh, that that potentially could be used later in the season when the rosters expand as well, happened and came up early, and it was for a price that he was willing to pay. So mm-hmm. he did it. Yeah, that's and, it. And maybe if they end up trading Clint Frazier, this is another outfielder that they have. So fine, fine. And, and the competition for these these guys, you know, like you said, because there's no uh, waiver deadline now, it's there's going to be more competitive. Uh, offers, I think, are, are just more competition for guys like this earlier on. So Cashman's not an opportunity to take it early. He's got to do it because you're kind of going with an unknown at this point. Like, how is this trade market going to unfold, you know, towards the uh, towards the end of the deadline? It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first year. No one really knows how it's going to go. The GMs, that's why the GMs are, are trying to figure it out as they go. So I, I was reading an article on MLB.com theorizing some different trade scenarios and they for the yankees theorize matthew boyd from the tigers in exchange for estevan florial anthony siegler and antonio cabello that means that's the yankees number one uh system in their prospect not including jason because uh jason dominguez is uh in all intents and purposes, their number one prospect now, according to a lot of scouts, but he's not even eligible yet to be like a prospect because of he's his 16. age. He's 16. So, so he's their number one without being their number one. Florial's still number one in their system, according to MLB Pipeline and other, other publications. Number 47 in MLB. Siegler's number six in their system. Cabello is number nine in their system. Neither of those guys are ranked in the top 100 of baseball. But you're trading three top 10 guys in your system for Matthew Boyd, who is having a career year under team control through 2022. He's having a really good season, like a really good season. 395 uh, uh, ERA, four, 347 FIP, 3 war, 12 K to 9 K to walk ratio. Um, so he's reduced his walk significantly. He ranks above average in fastball spin rate, K percentage, hard hit percentage allowed, expected batting average, expected WOBA, expected slugging. Have I bored you yet, Scott? He's having a good year. Here's he's the having thing. A, he's having a good year. He's not, Here's the thing. He's not having a great year. He's having a good year. Here's the thing. He had a five ERA coming into this season. Yeah. So are, we, are you telling me Matthew Boyd is going to this is the Matthew Boyd going forward and he's a difference maker for you in October if if that is what the Yankees believe I don't agree with it but fine trade those prospects I'm not opposed to trading those prospects in fact I want them to trade prospects to get a guy who can put you over the top if they identify somebody I want them to go out and do a move they think will put them over the top not a depth move I'm done with depth moves. They're not going to win the World Series with depth moves at this point. They're going to win the World Series with adding a starting pitcher who they can rely on in the playoffs. I don't know if that's Matthew Boyd. 
It's not Matthew Boyd. You can't rely on him in the playoffs. When have you ever seen Matthew Boyd in the playoffs to say that you can rely on him in the playoffs? You just said he's walking in with a five ERA coming into the season. He's he's put up a, a, a for all intents and purposes a four ERA this year, and we're talking about him. Uh, you know, as a guy that we're going to trade our number one well, prospect for uh, 4L. No, so you can't look at ERA, Scott. Was, ERA is not a good measurement anymore was, for a pitcher. You got to look at fielder independent pitching. You got to look at the peripherals. He was on Florio was untouchable last year. We're going to give up uh, uh, him for a guy that's, what is he, 28 years old, 27, 28 years Team old? Team control through 2022. Okay, Florio was untouchable last year, but he's had another injury to his wrist, and the Yankees have Jassault. I'm not saying he's not untouchable this year. I think he's very touchable this year, but not for a guy like Matthew Boyd. I just doesn't move the needle for me. Right. If all. you're going to trade your number one prospect, get somebody better than Matthew Boyd. Yes. Thousand percent. Right. Million percent. I- I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I don't know who that guy is, though, right? Because the Tigers suck. But also, if you're the Tigers, is, Matt, is now the time to trade Matthew Boyd? It might be. Because oh, you it look certainly at, is. You need you to look trade at him the right rest now. of the uh, his stock is high. You look at the rest of the trade market, and it's like okay, Madison Bumgarner is a rental, and he's declining, and he's an old twenty nine. You got an expensive Zach Greinke. You got are the Indians gonna sell? Are they not gonna sell? Trevor Bauer's out there. If the Indians sell, I'll take Trevor Bauer all day. I can trust Trevor Bauer in the playoffs. I would feel very happy about going into a postseason rotation with Bauer, Paxton, Tanaka, and whoever else they want to round it out with. If Severino's healthy, if Herman is still in the rotation, if they want to use an opener, I'm cool with that. But I don't know if the Indians are selling. They're not. They're not selling. It's. It's. Uh, I mean, first of all, they're in a in a wild card spot right now. Currently, they're probably one of the hottest teams I think they're tied for the second wild card spot with Oakland that's risky though right because they can look at it two ways we got a lot of teams bunched up or we just get into the we get into that lottery game and we could go all the way if if, if things break our way well they absolutely could and and there's been so much of a a, a narrative around Cleveland that they're selling because I think it all stemmed from the comments of the owner saying that they're not going to go out and spend a lot of money, that they're going to scale back what they do. And they really haven't. If you look at what they've done, they haven't really scaled back a lot. They've, they've gotten rid of some guys, but they've also added some guys that have been phenomenal. Uh, you know, coming, uh, coming back, they haven't thrown, they haven't traded away any of their pitching staff that they've, they've, they've said they have. I know Carrasco has, um, you know, been battling, a uh, unfortunately he got he got diagnosed with I think leukemia or it something leukemia it's something something that's like super unfortunate um, and then you know you're you're battling other injuries in that in that Klu- staff Kluber's been injured uh, Clevenger I think spent some time but they haven't they haven't gone out and traded any of their their big names at all so all of this this talk of them trading and 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 not uh, competing it's just it hasn't happened yeah and and also. Another guy who's out there who has been talked about, not necessarily the Yankees, is Zach Wheeler. I know he was rumored with the Red Sox, but now he's on the IL. He just got put on the IL on Monday with shoulder fatigue. So it's like the the pitching market is so thin, and there's so there there's not many guys to go around. So you might be getting into really expensive territory for someone that's not that exciting in Matthew Boyd. And I would hate to see the Yankees trade a bunch of prospects for Matthew Boyd and have him fizzle out because I think that's all too real of a possibility. Not saying it's definite, not saying Matthew Boyd sucks, 
But I do not trust that Matthew Boyd is going to come in here and solidify this rotation. I do not see Brian Cashman, the guy that in cash we trust, all of this. And I know that if you ask certain people, you're gonna, they're going to they're gonna look at his history with pitching, his history at acquiring pitching, and every, pretty much every pitching move that Brian Cashman has made. Like that's the side of, the, uh, of his career that you can criticize probably pretty well too because a lot of his moves have not panned out as far as pitching. I don't think it's all on him. Like the guy that he acquired two years ago, I don't think is on him. I think it was a, a, a good move the way that he that he went out and made a move for a top level guy that just didn't pan out. But for a guy like Boyd, it doesn't make sense to give up a package that's been rumored out there. So I, I just don't see it happening. The article, for, you for know what the article like said? The article said, like I could see that package for Bauer and, well, and even that would be a lot. Well, the article said that the Yankees might have to throw in a couple more low-level pitchers to get that deal done. That's how get high that deal for Boyd. To, that's how high the price is going to be on Boyd this year. Okay, no. I mean, people people say the the, the flip side is Florial's been injured and he's he's still their number one prospect, but it's it's not really materialized into the higher levels yet. Siegler was just drafted last year. Cabello is a young outfielder, international guy outfielder. So, I mean, some people say those are expendable guys. I don't know. I think that it's... It's, it's similar to what happened with, with, with Fulmer. I think Fulmer obviously was younger at the time, and he had come off of a, a good rookie, rookie year, but he, had, he got injured. Um, but the, the Tigers were asking for, you know, the farm when, they were, when Fulmer was out, when, when the trade deadline yeah. came. And he, Glaber, and they were was looking it Glaber? For, was that the... Was I think it was. It was... It was it was all top-level guys, like very, very big names. You should, ask for, like you should ask for top-level guys. But. but guess what? It didn't happen. Well, Guess what? Nobody wanted to give up that for Michael Fulmer, who had just come off of a Rookie of the Year campaign and is much younger and had, you know, theoretically a lot more potential. And you're looking at a guy now who's boy of Boyd, who is, you know, seemingly coming into his own, I guess, if that's what we're calling it, uh, at the age of 28. And I know he's controlled now for... What three more years? That's the only so that's, reason. That's, that's the, I think the only the reason they would do it. That's and that's what the that's what they sold us on. Sonny Gray. He's controlled, and they sold Sonny Gray that, um, and, and Boyd Paxton. are very different players, though, with their careers. They are Paxton, controllable starter. Matthew Boyd, controllable starter. The Yankees love controllable starters. You know what? This controllable controllable starter thing has not materialized into a great rotation. The Yankees rotation has been worse than it was last year, when in my opinion, it wasn't great. Right. I mean, injury definitely plays into that. You're looking at the guys who are on paper, the um it's a better it's still better. I, I think personnel wise, it's still better. It hasn't been though. Because of injury. I think injury plays in a lot a lot of what it is. And, and you're seeing, um, you know, guys ramping back up. It, whatever. We could go back and forth on this for a while. The, the bottom line is the trade, the, the trade market for pitching is strange. You're going to have to give up. But they're going to have to overpay. Because so that's, this is why I think that they're going to be going for, if you see a, this type of offer for a Matthew Boyd, you're looking in the reliever market and seeing what kind of value you can get there and how you could stretch a game out by uh, adding another big relief pitcher i think that's where they're gonna go if the market starts panning out for guys like matthew boyd and they're trying to ask unbelievable things uh as far as what the prospect or what you think you can give up because here's the other thing like everybody's gonna say okay floreal is not what he was so why not 
Well, because maybe in the offseason, you could make this same package and turn it into something much better than you could at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. I'm and, not and opposed to trading Florio. I just want to trade him for someone better than Boyd. That's the thing. So Brian Cashman's not going to overextend himself for a guy that he doesn't think has the ability. Who cares if he's controllable if you don't like him as much? Like, I don't really care if a maybe guy's controlled for three like years. Him. Well, maybe. You say maybe they'll add a bullpen arm. I really... I wouldn't be excited about that. I don't think the bullpen needs help. I understand it adds depth to the pitching staff, but Batances and Severino both threw off, uh, threw off uh, 60 feet on Monday, which is a good sign. Severino is open to a bullpen role if he can't come back as a starter. Maybe he comes back as, as a three-inning guy where he throws 75 pitches, so three, four-inning guy. I don't know, but I still think, what are you going to do, two openers in the, in the, in the playoffs? If you add more bullpen, you can do two openers. No, because if you you don't have to call it what it is. I mean, even if Severino were a uh, a shorter inning guy, and you know he starts the game, gonna have the same feeling of it of of a starter. Just might have to take him out a little. And if he's going well, maybe they stay with him. Severino is the kind of guy like that. If, if he could get back and and be healthy and be a three to four inning guy, and that's what he is. Okay, great. That's amazing. That is a dominant three to four inning guy. And what we've seen from our starting pitching when we're maxing out at five and six innings, what's, is there really, really that much of a disparity now where we're talking about going out there and getting a, a Matthew Boyd and then adding a relief pitcher that can go maybe two innings, three innings? I mean, theoretically, yeah, there is because he could probably stretch out. But at the end of the day, like, would Matthew Boyd, if you were on this team, be allowed to get out of a fourth inning jam in a close game in the playoffs? Maybe not. We haven't seen this strategy really work in the playoffs, though. We haven't seen this just bunch of bullpen arms work in the playoffs. It, 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 the, the Red Sox won a World Series last year doing it. Uh, no, they won with starters. They had Starters in the bullpen. They had Chris Sale and uh, Porcello and yep. Price all pitched and, and well then they had as Nathan Avaldi coming in. did a lot of different stuff. He worked out of the rotation. He worked out of the bullpen. Price, other than the first Yankee start, Pitch great, didn't he? Win the uh, MVP. We also saw Porcello coming series. in. We saw some of these guys coming in in relief as well. They they use they use their starting pitchers like they did, like they would. Uh, there there really is no script to it. There was no script. They were using guys at at times that were, you know, different. And and the fact that you saw we saw the same thing with Houston again. We talked about this last episode. Yeah. I, I don't. It doesn't matter as much. Like you're seeing the bullpen being used. The the uh, not the bullpen. You're seeing the um, pitching staff being used at different, you know, things that are not normal, things that we have not seen in the past. I think that is the script is out the window when you're talking about pitching now. Um, yeah, and pitching. Uh, Devin Garcia got his first AAA start. An evaluator who watched it said runs came on a few mistakes that got capitalized on, but overall stuff and feel and command of all four pitches was above average. Has great mound presence and composure. Uh, that, that scout sounds like me with a plus arm. That doesn't tell me shit. Uh, the, that tells me a lot. I the, like it. The Mets were scouting Garcia in this start. Some people talking about, oh, dude, the Yankees are going to go after Syndergaard. Was that John Heyman commenting on that? Yeah, why um, is it? No one likes John Heyman anymore, huh? Because John Heyman just throws, you know, it's a little by the little boy who cried wolf. Like when you start throwing out everything, that's why Rosenthal needs to relax on his uh, 1 million percent sources. Listen, every contender is in on every pitcher available. That is not breaking news. Right. But <laughs> it, it makes it just that much worse when you're talking about the Yankees and the, the Mets. Just because, whatever. 
Debbie Garcia, I like that his composure is good at AAA. I like to see when a guy is in the presence. You impressed with his mountain presence? Yeah, because when you see a guy who's five foot nothing and out there and acting like you know uh, the the big dick on the field, I like that. I like that. I like the fact that he has a, a different type of attitude. That big, what's his big dick it's, energy? It's coming up. It's coming next. That's that's the next level scouting. But when <laughs> you see... What's his big dick energy on a scale of... Uh, on a 2080 scale? It's, it's, it's up there. It's way up there. But he's, uh, he's a what guy that has that presence. Guy that has... <laughs> Trust Excel. me, with some with some with some of our um, with some of our upcoming sponsors, this conversation might happen. <laughs> the, um, but Debbie Garcia, it's a little tease for the next episode. Debbie Garcia is uh, is a guy that I'm looking at who's climbing the ranks. You do want to see how he's handling it. You want to see how he's because the attention is definitely following him. There's no doubt about it. When the futures game came, everybody was watching him. Eyes were on him for that first inning, and he came out and performed like. Didn't phase him one bit. I agree. That Futures game is a lot of pressure. Look what it did to Sheffield last year. Yeah, dude, Sheffield has been exactly what I thought he was. He's just, he's just not as good as everybody. Not as good as a lot of people pegged him to be. There was something about him, and this is where you look at the presence and things that are off the field, things that are just like just don't click in your mind when you're looking for a guy that is, uh, has the potential to be a top-level guy. And I think a lot of that has to do with what goes on between the ears. Just something, something about him told me that he's not going to be a big guy in the major leagues. And, and so far, so, you know, he's, I think, refounded in double A over in, in the Seattle organization. But mm-hmm. he got the motor from triple A to double A. So, like, nothing is a sure bet. But when you see a guy like Garcia, who's climbed through the ranks uh, as fast as he has, has had such fanfare with him, um, and has made the headlines and has backed it up now and has that confidence, I like it. I wanted Sheffield to succeed just so we could get the justice served memes. Yeah. <laughs> The Yankees are going to face Colorado this weekend. We are, be, we are there for the Saturday game. Looks like Paxton is going to be pitching. Uh, no, Tanaka will be pitching for our game. We're also Tanaka be, and CeCe, those are the only two guys that pitch when we, when we go for these outings. We're also going to be there Friday. Hap is going to be pitching on Friday. The Rockies are last place in their division. They've been really struggling over their last 10 or 12 games. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're uh, under 500, last place in the AL West. But it's also weird because they're like not that far from a wild card spot. But there's so many teams bunched up in the NL wild cards, so the Rockies are are kind of in a tailspin right now. Uh, it is. Uh, make sure to follow us and uh, the George's Box guys on on Instagram and everything. We're going to be at the game Friday and Saturday. There's going to be a lot of videos coming out, a lot of documentation of different things. It should be a really fun and a really hot weekend. Before we do uh, a couple final topics. Please, guys, uh, we, we ask you guys periodically, and it seems like when we ask you, you guys deliver. Deliver us some more ratings and reviews on the podcast. It is Other than you physically downloading and listening to the show, the best thing you can do to support us is to rate and review us because it gives our show more publicity for people looking for a new podcast. It bumps us up in the rankings. It is important, and if you guys enjoy the show, if you're listening, we're at 350 episodes right now. Did you think when we started this podcast in February, I still remember vividly recording in my bedroom, my old apartment. Remember we recorded like back to back to back episodes and I was, we were such novices, at least I was. I didn't even have my microphone connected. I was recording on like headphones. So from there to here, 350 episodes. If you guys have been listening for one, 10 or, or all 350, give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. 
Yeah, no, it's been a fun ride. It's uh, it's definitely there's there's been a lot of people that have that have been here from the from the very beginning. And yes, the uh, the technology side of it has has been different. And the the crazy thing is too, when you look at these 350 episodes, they're all they're all. I think I think the, the shortest episode we've maybe ever done is like 50 minutes or something like that. It's they're not. Oh, the, we we released a couple like a couple of the interviews, interviews yeah. like 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, we've always done hour, and now these are I feel like these we are just these are three hundred and fifty <laughs> hour plus. Yeah, now we we're, we're, we just like I've referenced in the past. My mother always said I had diarrhea of the mouth. It's it's just one of those things where we just continue to talk. But yeah, these are uh, these are no, no no cheapies. But yeah, appreciate it, guys. Definitely give us a five star rating and review in iTunes uh, and in Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, download it and subscribe on there too. So the last couple of things I want to talk about. So Didi's tweets came back in the second half. We all know that. You had a theory that some sponsors or maybe the Yankees were pushing him to do this because yeah. if you look at the coverage of these tweets, like Yes did a whole segment on it uh, talking to Buck Showalter, who was just unimpressed. Then they had the Yankees. Of all people, you're going to talk to Buck Showalter about Twitter. Yeah, I, Buck Showalter has a flip phone. Him and John Sterling still have flip phones. But then the Yankees, every time Didi tweets, they also tweet about it. It is got it is sort of jumped the shark, which I hate because I loved the Didi tweets so much. I love that Didi was a guy who was so excited after a Yankees win, he just had to tweet a bunch of emojis like a 13-year-old girl. I loved that. I thought it was a fun thing he did last year. And now that mainstream coverage of it. The Yankees seemingly pushing him into doing it for more publicity because he didn't do it in the first half. It makes me upset that it kind of jumped the shark. Well, so the other thing, too, is that DD didn't want to talk about it in the first half. And there had to have been a reason for that. He didn't want to talk about it because he didn't want to do it. He's a creative guy. Creative people don't want to see their art or their creativity be commercialized and then kind of like dwindled down into something that's really not why it happened in the first place. Creative people don't want to be told what to do. That's true. Professional athletes don't want to be told what to do either. But at the same time, you're looking at, uh, you mentioned when we talked about this last episode, it's a contract year for Didi. Didi is, is making his rounds with some, some sponsors. He is, has been hurt. He's been not in the, in the, on the forefront of what has been an exciting Yankees team. They want him back. They want him back up top. They want Sir Didi to get back up there with his emojis. But you know what it is to him? I think it's it's just like it's work. Uh, it's now, not work now. Well, it's not even so much that, but it's like it's just not it's not original anymore. Right. Didi is an original guy. He likes to be original. That's why he draws. That's why he's got. Did you artistic, see his drawings of? Thing. So he posted on Instagram yesterday, I believe. So Wednesday, a drawing of Encarnacion, a drawing of Judge, and a drawing of somebody else. And he said, and it was all from moments of the game from Tuesday. And he said, he said something about like this is the new, this is the new post game or something like that. So maybe, maybe look, he, he, he did art, it on it. He posted it on Instagram. Uh, so maybe he's going to start doing more of that, which would take more time, but it's is also a lot cooler. I think he's, you know, what he did his video to his his first game back video. Like where he drew all of the little frames and then merged it all together into a video. Yeah. It's extremely impressive stuff. I mean, look, the guy, because he's the, the way that he is uh, artistically, I think the way that he creatively, um, you know, 
puts all this stuff out there. He likes to do new things. I mean, we saw he learned the piano. He's he's do, uh, he's teaching himself and learning more about photography. Like the guy likes to 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 go outside the box and learn new things and expand his mind. He doesn't like to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. He's already doing that with baseball. Like that's his profession. He has to do the same thing for 162 games or however many he's on the field. Um, so he likes to be uh, you know himself. And I think and now. The, 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 what originally started as himself has turned into other people saying, okay, do this. And he doesn't like that. And that's why he didn't want to talk about it. And now it's kind of uh, put himself in a, in a, in a weird place. And I guarantee it. I guarantee that he hates doing it. Right. And, and it just needs to be more organic. Like maybe if they only, if he only wants to do it after like a playoff win or, or like a, a walk-off win or something like that. No, he just needs to do whatever he wants to do. And then that will be fine. Right. Because that's what happened originally. And that's why Yankee fans loved it in the first place. Cause it was raw emotion. Right. You uh, into this face app, this old face app. With no the Russians stealing all everyone's personal I'm information. I'm not. Because, I have like, not that, downloaded the app, but I have been face apped. Someone face apped me on Twitter. And yeah, I think I aged pretty well. I'm still wearing my Yankee bucket hat, which has been going strong for 10 years. Bucket hat is going to be in in 2007. It's going to be in in 2019. It's going to be in in 2059 or whenever these things are uh, supposed to be. Well, I mean, the thing is, is when you see a guy with a bucket hat, you're expecting him to be, you know, 70, 80 years old. So uh, the fact that it, that it looks good on you or as a someone who has who has fair skin and just wants to protect themselves. Sure. Or someone who's fishing. Yeah. But there's there are certain scenarios, you know, whether you're old or fishing that you, a bucket hat is appropriate. But, you know, or if it's being passed down, like you get a pass. The uh, yeah, the whole thing that that, you know, the that the Russians are behind this whole thing is I think it's, it's kind of funny. You know, <laughs> it's perfect. It's, actually, it's it's. it's you know, when you actually look at the um, the registration of the company that made the app, they are Russian. They, they, there's a lot of like uh, that whole thing. Oh, that's you going Google Face App old, and you get a million stories from like all these sources about. It. Don't trust the privacy settings on this app. That's you know the what, thing. You know what? Read, I think this just is? read the. Don't you don't have to trust them. Just read them because when when you read them, it says I'm allowed to commercialize everything that's inside of this app. Similar to what Facebook says, I'm allowed to commercialize everything that's inside this app. And also, by the way. When they are when they are making you look old, they're reading. They are digitally scanning yeah. and reading your face. Okay, that is now on file. Good mm-hmm. luck robbing a bank. Well, I mean, we're luck. already on file. I don't even care file, if you wear though. a mask. I don't care if you wear a mask. You got to get away. You got to walk through. You got to go on the highway and drive. You got to walk through a Seven Eleven. You got to walk into an airport, a train station, anywhere. You know a show that like so this the the the, the last segment of our show has, has basically been a, a chock full of random okay I'm gonna go off that there's a show that I don't really think got a lot of attention but I think is really good I'm not sure if you've seen it but it's called The uh, Patriot it was on uh, it's on Amazon nope I haven't seen it check it out it's it's a really it definitely hasn't gotten a, a lot of attention by any means but it's a really well done witty show that has uh, very different like good writing I think and. I don't think it's for everybody, but I think it's it's like one of those cult type. Uh, I, I feel like you would appreciate it. But anybody who, who who likes that witty, like kind of darker humor, it's really good. It's about a guy that goes overseas as a uh, basically a spy. Essentially, he's a, kind of like an assassin type thing, and he's. Uh, but it's there's like a whole family dynamic with it. There's a lot of comedy. It's just it's it's interesting and it's good. But I, I say this because he's trying to get at some point past facial recognition cameras. And he has a guy pull his teeth out, like some of his teeth, so that he can smile really big and stupid looking, uh, so that when he walks through facial recognition, he looks like a completely different person. 
Yeah, that's not going to be possible now that the Russians have what we're going to look like in 50 years. I think this is just a scheme to create uh, robot versions of us all and replace us all with uh, AI technology. Why do they need to know what our faces look like? Because they want to they, they want to know what we look like in 50 years. So, I mean, I could just can't you just. Oh, you're saying so that we're going to be replaced. Yeah, we're all going to be replaced. So but no one's going to know we're replaced because it's like, oh, this is what Scott should look like in 50 years. So then who's going to care if we're all replaced? I'll care. <laughs> but you're not going to be here to care. There'll, be a, care. Ver- there'll I'll- be a fake version of you walking around in a bucket hat my not fake, fishing. My fake version will know <laughs> that my real version once cared. Oh, that's sad. That's a sad ending. It's a sad uh, ending to, to, uh, to the species of the human, the human race. The reason we wanted to talk about this is because the rail riders tweeted out the lineup in all old face versions. And Clint Frazier just replies, <laughs> why? Because, because he's probably thinking to himself, which is what I thought. It's like, oh, Clint Frazier's going to still be with the rail riders in 50 years. I was the, so the first thing I thought of was like, God damn, he hates being in the minor leagues right now, because he's in the minor leagues. This is the guy that was raking on the in the major leagues at Yankees, Yankee Stadium in the Yankees in high pressure situations, performing of, among some of the best in the league, and now he's in AAA, wearing you know, pierogi uniforms and being face apt on Instagram and face and uh, Twitter along with the rest of the minor league guys, because that's the minor leagues. And he's like, what, what, what is happening here? Why can't I just shut my mouth and go out and talk to the media? I would not be <laughs> talking. I would not be looking at myself as an 80 year old man uh, as the first, cause it was the first guy. Cause I guess he's leading off too, but yeah. also the most recognizable um, person on their, uh, on their lineup as the, uh, the, the, the lead the lead image for their social media campaigns. Not, he, not what you want as a, as a guy trying to make it into the bigs. He kept his hair. Good for him. It's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate, and I think he's realizing that. <laughs> Maybe this is just tough love. They're like, we're going to face-app you, too. Yeah. You're gonna uh, wear, I'm you're sure gonna there's other pierogi. major league teams out there who face-app everybody. Yeah, but it's just for him, who's so worried about and so concerned about the way he looks and the way that that his his swag like all this minor league it's hard stuff to is be just, swaggy if it's you're not good 75 years old all right that's it for us double header this afternoon a lot of games to talk about the next time we record on sunday night after the event and after what should be a very fun weekend whoever's coming to the event or the game on friday maybe we'll see you there for everyone else we'll talk to you monday hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.